Now, Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. We'll be recapping the game from the weekend uh, as well from a couple of days ago. We didn't get much to college football. we got to talk about some of the games from the uh, collegiate football weekend, weekend number three, if you will. We'll definitely do that. It's a residue Tuesday. That's what we do on Tuesdays, pick up some of the residue. That we did not get to from uh, yesterday's show, a little NFL football talk, Monday night football. Got to mention a high school football quarterback who had a record-setting performance. Big baseball game. Yesterday here in Chicago was the White Sox knock off the Tigers in a tension pack. Five to four victory, a happy Rosh Hashanah. One day late to all the Jewish brethren out there. we got lots to talk about. Sports guys talk politics as Mitt Romney puts uh, the other foot in his other mouth or the other shoe in his other foot or however the expression goes. Another mess up by Mitt Romney. Sports guys talk politics. All right, we'll take quick break. Not quick break, but we'll listen to a little bit of music. And then the coach of the big dog will kick. This Tuesday, September 18th version of Sports Talk here are the two guys at a mic show. Off and running. Waiting for the big dog to check in. By the way, speaking of the big dog, his alter ego. We've had a couple of emails, a couple of verbal messages, and one nasty uh, stalker that wants to know what the heck has happened to this year man. And David Olson, producer extraordinaire, as far as I know, this year man still exists. He is just uh, due to the big dog's work schedule, the alter ego, how do we put it, has been, um, he's back in the closet for a little bit. I don't know if I'd quite use that phrase, but uh, we'll say he's on hiatus. I like to use that phrase because that way when he comes out, we can say this year man has come out of the closet. Creative, a little bit more interest. Possibly. You know, a little pamphlet, 101 things you can do with the red cape, which we've already covered about 15 of those, but that leaves 86 more options to go, folks. Uh, 888-463-6748 is our phone number. We'll definitely talk White Sox baseball Big win, three-game lead for the White Sox as the pennant races down to the final couple of weeks. The wild card hunt, very intriguing. Uh, again, triple eight four six three six seven four eight. David, let me ask you this: in baseball, now I heard a little bit of talk of this, but they didn't take it to the next level. So this year, uh, new procedure now, where you got two wild card teams, and they will play a one-game playoff. We're all, or at least eighty-eight point six percent of our listening audience is aware of that. That's what our research shows. The other 8% don't follow baseball, and the 2.3% do follow baseball. They've just had some drug flashbacks where they've missed the wild card stuff. Um, and by the way, we're going to have a party with that 2.3%. I get sidetracked very easy. But here, here's the question. Is, is there the possibility, let, let's say Detroit comes back and ties the White Sox at the end of the regular season for the division? So I don't know the answer to this, but I, but I would think the answer is yes. Could you have a one-game playoff followed by a one-game playoff? Yeah, it, it, you, it could happen, but there are so many other little tiebreakers that would 
mm-hmm. you know, keep that one that second one game playoff from happening. Well, it wouldn't seem, but, but conceivably, yeah, it could happen. It wouldn't seem because well, well, it'd be it'd be it, if they ended up tied, right? It'd come down to probably head to head matchups, or well, you know, uh, common opponents. So well, wait a minute. You're, you're saying they decide it by head to head matchups? I'm saying if they ended up with the exact same record, White Sox and the Tigers, White Sox and the Tigers, they, before they before they decided it on the field. I think they'd look at other factors to uh, first. Wait, I, I, I'm confused. Before they decided on the field, you said? Before they decided on the field. I don't know if they'd let that. Uh, oh, I'm, you mean who's going to host it? No, I'm saying I think before they do it, before they play an actual game, they'd look at, they'd break down the record even further. Oh, so you're saying they could tie in one team based on whatever formula it is, could be the division champ and the other team has to play a one gamer? Yes. I don't think that's right. I'd be shocked. Well, we'll ask the big dog who's more familiar with I would with, be uh, shocked rules. if that were the case. Any of our uh, uh, baseball fans out there, big dog included, 888-463-6748, the phone number. I, I would almost, because there's such an advantage to winning the division, because now you don't got to play that one-game playoff. But uh, it'd be interesting, because I was kind of thinking of the fascinating scenario where a team, and it doesn't have to be White Sox-Detroit, there's, you know, Maybe the Oakwood A's come back and tie the Texas Rangers. Which is not likely, but it's possible. But you could okay, have... I, 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 you, there would be a one-game playoff, yes. So that'd be kind of cool. So a team yes. could play an elimination game for the division championship. And then the following day play the, the wow. elimination game for the wild card. Wow. And then if they lose both of those, that would be, uh, that'd be the noose around what otherwise was a pretty good season for one of those teams. You lose two elimination games, that would not be good. Now here, here's another little interesting thing. Uh, two teams that are tied for the division cha- championship are going to play another tiebreaker game that that has nothing to do with anything. It decides who wins the division right. and the to... wild card. So right. That, have... So that answers your question right there. You have to determine the division yeah. champ you first. Have to division the, yeah, that's going to division. That's going to yeah. determine the division championship and then the wild card. Interesting. All right, all kinds of scenarios, folks. We are. Uh... Not, uh, you know, heading down the back stretch. Now, we're reaching towards the finish line. couple of weeks. couple of weeks left to go. Don't forget, by the way, if you are listening and you're a Cubs fan, we're still planning on attending the final home Cubs game, a 120 Wednesday, October 1, I think it is. Cub-Houston Astro game. We're calling it Pack the Place Day. We want to get as many fans out there and go crazy and treat that game like a World Series game. Cub fans will go crazy and probably make the White Sox fans feel bad because they have a bigger house. Cubs and Astros, final game of the regular season. Wow. I'll probably be the only one out there, but that's my version of Pack the Place. Yes, David? While we're on the rules and regulations, if there's a tie for the wild card, yes, sir. Okay, uh, then that is not determined on the field. Here are the tie-breaking procedures. The team with the best record in head-to-head play, the team with the best overall record, ignoring interleague play. Wait, wait. I'm... Okay, if say, say it comes down to the wild card, and it's the Tigers and the Athletics who are in they're they're in different uh, they're well, in, but they're taking two teams this year. They are taking two teams so what... this year, but but they, exactly if they're like say three teams ah, with the exact same record. Now three teams. Okay, so yeah. interesting. Yes. So if three teams tie. They all don't get a shot at it. One team gets eliminated? Yes. Oh. Yes, and it, 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 it comes down to their record. 
Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. The team with the best record in head-to-head play. Okay. Uh, is number one, number two, the best. Uh, the team with the best overall record, ignoring interleague play. The team with the best record in the final 81 games of the season and ignoring interleague play. Mm-hmm. And the team with the best record in the final 82 games of the season, extending backwards until the tie is broken. Wow. We even got extending backwards in there. That's outstanding. Bud Selig on his game. On his, any chance we will have uh, Mr. Bud Rodriguez Selig on today's show? Uh, he's not returning my calls. Interesting. Any chance we can get Wendy Selig, the daughter and proud owner of the Milwaukee Brewer? Not a chance. Any chance we could get Leonard Selig, the younger brother of uh, Bud, who's been in and out of community service for the past 10 years? I'll work on that. Uh, thank you very much. Any member of the Seelig family, maybe you're listening. If there's any Seeligs out there, any you know descendants of the Seeligs, the extended family, if you have any roots in the Seelig family, we'd love to talk to you. 888-463-6748. Nothing more fascinating than discussing rules and regulations of a three-way tie in the wild card hunt. <laughs> White Sox did beat Detroit yesterday, though, in a heck of a game, 5-4. to four. Tigers opened up a 3 nothing lead pressure pack game. A lot more pressure, of course, for Detroit than it was for the White Sox, but still pressure for the Sox, too, because if they lose, the lead that they've held for most of the season would have been down to one game, but the uh, Tigers jump out to a 3 nothing lead. White Sox fight their way back at real good bullpen performance. Real good from the young kids out of the bullpen. Nate Jones, um, I think they threw, what, four or five different guys and shut them out from the fifth inning on. Addison Reed, who's... But up and down, the rookie closer for the White Sox, uh, you know, very good early in the season, struggled a little bit of late. He gets the final out under pressure. Again, one-run ball game, five different relievers shutting him down. Nate Jones, by the way, the rookie for the White Sox, 8-0. Now, we know how the win-loss record can be misleading. No question about it. But uh, still, and he, he's blowing some games, and you don't get a loss for it, but 8-0. That's not too bad, but either way, big win for the White Sox, and I didn't see it, but apparently a uh, aggressive and clean, I think, hard slide by Alex Rios was the difference in the ballgame in the fifth inning. Overthrow first base on a double play, hard slide by Rios, two runs score, the momentum turned on that particular play. So uh, he's had a heck of a season and apparently made a great play yesterday. All right, let me welcome in my uh, co-partner. My co-partner in this uh, sports talk experience that we call the two guys in a mic show, checking in from telecommunicative phone lines from parts unknown, it is the big dog, Joel Rodwanski. Big dog, how are you? Uh, I'm doing real well, and my phone wouldn't turn on for 10 minutes. That's just another issue that i got to get resolved. And that slide by Alex Rios, you know, think about it, the difference in the ball game. The inning would have been over. That was a two-run play. They won 5-4. to four. And can you confirm to some of our Detroit fans it was a, a hard? We know it was hard, but it was clean. The, see, the the only reason why Detroit fans would say that wasn't clean is because they have no idea what little ball is. All they do is bash the ball over the park, and their pitchers strike people out. They don't catch. They don't take the. They don't take the extra base. They don't break up double plays like Alex Rios did. It was a perfectly clean play. Perfectly mm-hmm. clean. Did the Tigers play. complain? Oh, not at all. It was perfectly okay. clean. He slid right at the base, but the shortstop got Omar Infante the ball so late that Infante caught the ball, and when he was pivoting to throw, Alex Rios Mm -hmm. was tearing him apart. Alex Rios hustling the second base, unlike Gordon Beckham, 
cruising home from third base when Dwayne Wise, Wise decided to go from second to third in the bottom of the eighth and get thrown out before Beckham could score. Oh, that was every single White Sox fan that was around when that, that happened was like, oh, yeah. no, it's going to cost us the division. I'm like, you guys, are you Cub fans or, or White Sox fans? Just chill out. I would say Dwayne Wise should uh, give a big thank you to the two White Sox relievers, Addison Reed, I forget who the other kid was, for shutting down the Tigers in the ninth, because if they go on to lose that game by a run, Dwayne Wise uh, will take a little bit of flack. Brett, Brett Myers got the first out. Yep. And then Robin Ventura starts over managing because Matt Thornton got the second out, and then Addison Reed got the third out of the wow. ninth inning coach. Wow. A parade out of the bullpen. It was. Five innings, no earned runs. Uh, Robin Ventura yesterday, the way he used the bullpen, was masterful. Now, if any of those guys give up a run, it would have been moronic. Because you know what I mean? Because he used way too many pitchers. Mm -hmm. But it ended up working out perfectly for the White Sox. He's been rolling the dice uh, a lot this year, has Robin Ventura. For the most part, it's been successful. Kenny Williams, if you look back on a big dog, rolled the dice big time. In picking Robin Ventura, you remember all the White Sox, you know, media and the experts, you know, we think it's this guy. The rumor is it's this guy. Boom, boom, boom. Well, nobody had a clue. Nobody knew even, not even close to who Kenny Williams was really thinking about. I heard him interviewed yesterday. Some guy asked him, you know, Kenny, you know, when did you first start thinking about Robin Ventura as the manager? He goes about 17 years ago when he played his first game for us. So apparently wow. he showed those kind of leadership skills throughout his baseball career with the Sox. He always did, Coach. He always did things. He was the quiet, stoic leader who did yep. things, everything, every, did everything right. He's yep. always been like that. Yep. Very, very classy. White Sox three games up. Certainly Ventura, I would think, dog, uh, a lead candidate for manager of the year. We haven't talked about postseason awards for uh, base, baseball. Uh but I would think Ventura, who else is – Jay, we're talking Joe Madden for Tampa Bay, the Orioles manager, Buck Showalter. I would think it would be He's one of those three. Win. Buck Showalter is going to win, Coach. Yeah. Especially because, if the Orioles. Because the, the baseball writers of America uh, vote on it. And last year, the last couple of years, Buck Showalter has been working for ESPN, and some of those ESPN people have votes. All of them are going to vote for Bucky. I don't know about that. I, I think it'll be uh, somewhat close, actually, especially if the White Sox I hang bet, on. I meant all the ESPN writers are going to vote well, for Buck. Is Buck Showalter that popular of a guy? It's not like not like Bobby Valentine. Yeah. Where people at ESPN were like, thank God he's finally out of here. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? They like Buck Showalter. Bobby from Bolingbrook uh, texting in wants to know, uh, Big Dog, with your expertise and long-time uh, term on the radio, do you have a vote for manager of the year? This year I wouldn't deserve one because I haven't been able to watch football. And ah. uh, previous years I probably would have. No, okay. this year I do not have the vote. Okay. All right. And I don't get to vote on the Heisman this year like I normally should do. Yeah. Rightfully, uh, you've been around long enough. You should have credentials. No question. A man of your oak? <laughs> you know what ilk spelled backwards is, by the way? Cly. Cly. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, I still remember when... Uh, big dog, I forgot how it happened. It was so long ago, but you uh, had credentials to Northwestern basketball games and you'd, you'd go up and eat all the food. You'd sit down at the press table and everybody else is working with their laptops and taking notes. And big dog's got his hands behind his head, his feet propped up watching the game and enjoying it. I don't know about the feet propped up. Oh yeah, I do. 
I remember why I have one vision in particular where you sitting at the end of the you weren't exactly given prime seats as a credentialed member at Northwestern, but uh, I, I recall you with the feet propped up. I, I I never put the feet up. I, I will say this: the Northwestern ones I never got moved back on. It was the Illinois game that ah, I get moved back on. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I, yep. you know, it's a long time ago. I remember your feet propped up and a couple bad pulled pork stains on your nice shirt that you wore. And by the way, the pulled pork sandwich. Courtesy of, I better not forget, oh, Hackey's. Hackey's Barbecue and Evanston Dog. Awfully good. I prefer the pulled chicken, but either way. Either way, pulled chicken, pulled pork, or you can pull your own. Hackey's takes it all. Yeah. Do they they remind you that this isn't, this is actually pulled, it isn't shredded? Are they that highfalutin? Oh, I forgot now. Have we? Uh, no, they are not. Heckies, the last thing you'd say about them is highfalutin. They're everyday salt of the earth, uh, uh, outstanding people on the corner of Golf Road and Green Bay Road and beautiful Evanston. Um, tell me again now, uh, what is the difference in the pulled and the shred? You actually have you actually have some person making eight twenty five an hour, put their hands onto the animal, and rip and pull the meat <laughs> off. Is That's that, a pulled pork sandwich. What is shredded? The difference between having a machine go in there ah. and like kind of yank it off and then shred it down. Interesting. There is a difference. And like uh, anybody who's a pulled pork kind of sewer, they know that, oh, no, this was shredded. This isn't actually pulled. This is this is not real pulled pork, and I'm not making that stuff up. Interesting. There are All people right. that actually know the difference. All right. If you're a pulled pork, pulled chicken, or pull your own fan out there, uh, feel free to give us a call. And uh, back up the big dog's expertise. Sounds logical to me. Or uh, maybe you want to, you know, you question his authority. I'm always up for people questioning your authority, big dog. 888-463-6748. The phone number. By the way, the uh, kid you were talking about last week saying it was the hardest guy you ever had to tackle in football. Yes. Uh, We got a hold of him, and... He listened to the interview. I thought he'd get a kick out of it, and he did get a kick out of it. But he thought, he goes, who's that caller? Who was that caller talking about me? I had to explain to him that you are a, a you know, highly, if not semi-respected host of this show. Uh, I, don't, I don't worry about that. I'm not going for the credit. I just I just want the thrill of doing it. Yeah. Very good. 888-463-6748, the phone number. Coach of the Big Dog. Talking sports and more here. Two guys at a mic show, Talk Zone. We do it every Monday through Friday, five days a week, one hour a day, five in total. Again, phone lines open if you want to check in, 888-463-6748. Let's finish up with the baseball talk, dog, and I do want to get to Residue Tuesday because we didn't touch on, I don't think, college football yesterday, so I want to go over some of those games. But uh, anything else on the White Sox big win yesterday? Uh no, that's about it, but it's uh, it, it's just kind of funny how what a dramatic role that uh, – you know, like, small guys always seem to play when the White Sox have decent teams. Like, I know Dwayne Wise, Wise, Wise made the bonehead play and tried to take third with two outs after a fly ball when someone was trying to score in a one-run game. And I think that was dumb. But Dwayne Wise had a huge hit to tie the game up 3-3, and he's been phenomenal for the White Sox late yep. in the year. And, and guys like that, everybody else gave up on, like the Alex Rios and Adam Dunn have just been phenomenal this year. Mm-hmm. It's just like... And just, did you, I saw something yesterday that just blew me away. The, the Tigers, 
or well, they put 32nd down there in Major League Baseball, but whoever put this didn't realize there's only 30 teams in Major League Baseball. Well, the Tigers are last in baseball for the amount of unearned runs they've given up with 87. More than every once every other game, they give up an unearned run, Coach. The White Sox are number one in baseball with only 26, mm-hmm. which means that once a week they'll give up an unearned run. That's, Play solid that's base- the difference between the Tigers going to the playoffs and the White Sox going to the playoffs is the mm-hmm. fact that the, the White Sox caught the baseball this season. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't necessarily have to be spectacular defense. Over 162 no. games, if you've got good, solid, fundamental defense, that's going to pay off uh, over the long run. So we all see the great plays in the top ten highlights, but it's that good, solid, everyday defense that uh, is the difference in all those earned and unearned runs. Yeah, uh, simple stuff like uh, hitting the cutoff man, which I, I remember seeing a game in late July. And they missed the cutoff man. And Hawk Harrelson said to Steve Stone, that's the first cutoff man all year we've missed. And it was late July. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's, that stuff is that's amazing, Coach. To, mm-hmm. to, to go three months without missing the cutoff man? The Cubs can't go three innings. <laughs> By the way, a stat that I saw that I was uh, particularly happy to see, and I think I've got this correct, this year seven out of the top ten uh, salaried baseball teams, Big Dog? Seven of the ten paying the most money. I think the Cubs might be in there. Not sure about that. Yeah, are not are. are not going to make the playoffs. So the the Phillies, the Dodgers, the Cubs, the Tigers, they're just assuming the Tigers aren't going to make it. They're I on the outside the, uh, looking in. Is that what it is? The Mets are probably in there. I, you know. And the, the Boston Red Sox. Yes. Yes, and they know, even the mentioned, you know, there's a chance, there's, right there's, there's a chance that, huh? That? I was saying there's a chance that the Yankees, you know, they could slump well, and they, they could not the make Yankees it. Are, the Yankees are going to make the playoffs. That's, uh, uh, they would be considered in. The other no. team is the Marlins, coach. No, no, whoa, 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 whoa. The Yankees aren't in. They're, they're in the wild card lead. No, they aren't. Well, they, the lead, but they're, but a slump of the Yankees final couple of weeks and they're gone. Okay, well, then that, that doesn't mean anything to me if you're con- including them not in when they're already in right now. That, so that stat has to be a little bit better for me if you're going to tell me seven teams aren't in and then you tell me the Yankees aren't in when they are in right now. I don't think the Yankees are one of the seven. I think the Yankees would be team number eight is the point. Okay, and the Marlins, I think, would be the other team. Yeah, because exactly. Look, the Marlins decided to do this offseason. Yes. We're going to spend $200 million. Oh, they all suck. That's basically what happened to the Marlins this offseason. Yep, so. the Jose Reyes. I'm with you on that. I agree. Build teams from within. Build them from within. Uh-huh. Well, and I'd like to see that because the more these teams don't succeed, then you would hope, probably not true, but you would at least hope that some of these owners would be hesitant about dishing out the ridiculous amount of money that they're playing these players. If they don't dish out the ridiculous amount of money, maybe the ticket prices can hang in and not keep going up and up and up, and maybe we don't have to see six minutes of commercials between and every just, inning. But that's a whole other I, story. I just realized the Angels are one of the seven, too. So yes. one of the seven that we just said, either the Marlins or the Cubs, are outside, and the Angels are definitely one of the top ten yep. A-roll teams in baseball this season. Yep, yep, yep. Wild card races are still a lot of things to be decided. A hot streak by particular teams or a bad streak in the last couple of weeks. Things can change in a hurry. All right, dog, let's go out to the phone lines here. 888-463-6748, our phone number. 
Big Dog, I'll let you make the call. We got line two, four, six, and eight. Let up, you make the call. I don't care. I don't want to go to the callers. <laughs> you don't want to talk to anybody? No, I just I'm sick of all the comments you make after I make the decision. So I figure I'll throw you curveball for it. Out the line six we go. Ready to talk a little bit of football here. It's our good friend Pigskin Boy checking in. Pigskin, how are you? Thanks, Joel. <laughs> uh, I didn't know it was you, Pigskin. Uh-huh. Thanks, Brack. Thanks, Brack. Wow. I, just, I just assumed you wouldn't be calling in after what happened to Tennessee on Saturday night. Ooh. And the Bears. Yeah, it was a double play for uh, Pigskin. Wow. This is definitely not one of the better weekends that, you, that, that you've had over the last couple uh, weeks. Not to mention the fact that Penn State and Notre Dame won, so it's a foreplay. Ouch. Ouch is right. Ouch. I'm actually with foreplay. You're a typical man. <laughs> that was a bad weekend for Young Pig. You're rooting against Penn State this year, Pigskin Boy? Yes. All the players and the team that decided to stick around and fight through adversity and the coaching staff uh, the same, and you're rooting against those people that had nothing to do with what happened previous? The fact that they're there, they have something to do. They have something to do with the fact no. that they're there. That's what? that program should have been eliminated. Wait a minute. The fact the fact that they're there means they had something to do with the crimes that went on? I don't understand that statement. Because if nobody played there, you could do the right thing and shut the program down. That program should be shut down. Right. The fact that there are people willing to play no. I for such a horrible program. completely disagree. Is, Jerry Sandusky well, should be in jail, and a couple of the administrators who let it go on should be penalized. Uh, you know, I can't say how much. But to penalize the students who are at the school now and the players who had nothing to do with it, I completely disagree with that. Well, the fact that they're at the school, they have somebody to do with it, Coach. They're there. So what? It's residual. It, you can't. You can't just. You can't just shut the door and say, "Well, it's a whole new thing." It's the same. A lot of the same coaches are still there. A lot of the same people are still there, and a lot of the same nonsense they spouted. You're still doing. I would disagree with By that. By putting yourself on the team, you are you are part of that problem. Okay, so you're a senior at Penn State going into your senior year of college. You find out what horrific things have happened. You are devastated. It hurts you to your soul. And then we get to decide, oh, you know what, I'm going to give away the last three years I had at Penn State, transfer to another school, and graduate from another school when they're a year away from graduation. Those guys, obviously, they're not victims like the victims. But they are another people. There are more people that have been hurt in this that had nothing to do with it, who did nothing wrong. And I, I, I understand what you. I understand your argument. You're saying that once something like that happens, you need to bail on that whole situation and get out. I like if you're a freshman, a sophomore, maybe if you're a senior. These 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 people have been through enough. They have to go through the year like of of. Uh, transferring and learning another system and then graduating from a school that isn't as good as Penn State? Yes. This is legitimately the most vile thing that's ever happened in NCAA athletics that I know of. Maybe there's worse things. But to have 100 kids uproot their life, to call them like they're a part of it because they didn't transfer, I, that's that's really harsh. Those guys have been through enough pigskin. They really have. And, I don't and think I'm, I, I, I feel disagree. for the kids that stayed. I, I feel for them. I disagree, Joe. I don't think they've been through nearly enough. 
Wow. I mean, it's nearly enough. You know what's, what's enough is, is when that program is shut down and shut down. There is, there is no Penn State. That's when it's enough. And even, even then it's, uh, you know, it doesn't really help. But at least it eliminates, it eliminates one of the worst, most corrupt programs in history. What else do you have to do to have a program shut down? What else? You know, no, that's a good question. Sniper the locker room? That's, you know, now, now that you say that, yeah, that is, that, that is true about getting it shut down. No, it's but not. They, but they didn't. No, no, coach, about shutting the, uh, shutting the program. Well, they did the whole Brian Denny no, thing. Uh, here, I'll, 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 I'll answer Pigskin's uh, response. The program should be shut down. If you can tell me that the players in the program knew about what was going on and they didn't say anything and all the other coaches knew and it was an insidious throughout the program thing uh, that was going on and people didn't say anything. You, you you give me proof of that. When that comes out, hey, now you've infiltrated everybody. You shut the puppy down, give it off a couple of years and start over again. But as far as I've read, it's a select few that were involved in it. So that's that's the difference, Pigskin. It's, it's just a few. Why make the majority who are innocent and had no idea pay for the penalties of, uh, of a couple people? Uh, the, there's still a huge federal investigation, and we may find out who knew what. We may find out. I just don't understand how you can go after USC, Ohio State, all these schools for getting tattoos, buying a house, and then this is this is somehow equal to that. This is not. No, 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 I agree, I agree with you there. I, I agree with those schools were overpunished, Pigskin. But I, I, I just, I had. The, the, the amount of punishment towards Penn State, I'm not going to sit here and argue with. I'm going to argue with the fact that you want those kids to lose just because they didn't transfer. Yep. That that's what I, I haven't. Those kids really have been through enough. They they have. Obviously not as much as the victims did, but in some weird way, these kids have been thrown under the bus again. And now you have half the people in the college football rooting they lose, and the other half like just been like, oh, I'm good. That Penn, uh, it's good that Penn State's off the college map. We don't have to worry about them. I mean, I have Illinois fans being like, this is awesome. We are in the best division in, in, in the Big Ten now because all we have to worry about is Ohio State and Wisconsin. I'm like, really? You're, you're happy that the Sandusky thing happened? They're like, yeah. I mean, to me, that's like that's disgusting, Coach. I can't even uh, – I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just not here to pile on Penn State anymore. All right, let's move on. Uh, uh, before we talk about the Bear, real quick, Pigskin Boy, our NFL outsider checking in. you got questions for him in the world of football, feel free to dial it up at 888-463-6748. Real quick on the college football front, Pigskin, it was uh, your Tennessee Volunteers team, which you root for, uh, losing to the Florida Gators. What happened in that game and state of the art of, or the state of the union at Tennessee right now? Well, they started well and competed well, but they just don't have the, I mean, especially, I think we've mentioned this before, Joel, <laughs> You, you've got to have some really good football players to compete in the SEC on a week-to-week basis. Absolutely. I mean, you've really you. got to be good. You can't be just okay. You can't have, like, 18 good players and, and poor substitutes. And that's sort of where Tennessee has been for the last few years. They don't have elite players. They, they're competing, but they don't have elite players, obviously, to beat Florida at home let alone Alabama on the road or LSU on the road. Every game is just a struggle for them. Whether it's 109 and, and, and to make a point with Saturday, Coach Dooley oh. over there is 0-15 now when trailing at halftime. 
basically yeah, what that I means mean, is they're not deep enough. In the second half, if you got a lead against Tennessee, you're fine because they don't have enough. They don't have enough like power. They don't have enough uh, depth to actually come get you in the second half. Let me half. ask you this, Doug. That's true. That's true, Pigskin. Let me ask you this: When uh, Coach Dooley is recruiting now, you know the three of us are old enough to have ingrained in our head that Tennessee is a phenomenal football program, great tradition. Tennessee college football is all, uh, you know, one of the top programs around for many, 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 sorry, many years. But the 16-, 17-year-old kids that are being recruited now, even in the southeast, does Tennessee have that name still, that that product value, or is it a little bit harder to recruit kids, the young kids today at Tennessee? It's only been it's only been five or six years since Tennessee was real good. Don't forget, it's not like it's a millennium ago or or, or, or decades ago. Well, and flat out, Pigskin, you can you can talk to this a lot better than I can. But uh, the freshman class at Tennessee now, all of their best players on the field are freshman coach. So they had a real real good year recruiting last year because uh, I, I wish Illinois had Tennessee's freshman class. Is all I could say because every single one of those guys would be starting at Illinois. They got a wide receiver, this Patterson kid. Was it Verdict Patterson? What, what's that guy's name? Coach. Well, they kicked their best. They kicked their best receiver off the team, who was an All-American. Yeah, number, yeah, that guy. He yeah. got thrown out of school um, for repeated violations. Oh, that's he it. All, he was All-American. Come he, on. I can't remember his name, but he's he, he was kicked off before the first game. Just for his repeated violations? Like, that's a shame. His name was like Dre. Something he was number eighty four and the guy was massive coach he was huge he was like yeah. Sammy Watkins people are way too sensitive these days repeated violations you know you can you got to let so, certain things go if you get kicked off an SEC program that isn't Vanderbilt you yep. really did something bad okay bad <laughs> really yeah, bad um, when I would when my relatives lived in Tennessee and we went down to visit them two or three times a year by train by the way um, I'd never forget. One time, the best, second best halfback in Memphis and the best player in Martin, which is where we went a lot, had gone to, made a commitment to go to play Alabama. At the time, the biggest rival for Tennessee was Bama. It wasn't Florida. It was Alabama. And when he went to Alabama, the papers in Martin, Tennessee, posted his parents' address and phone number and encouraged people to call them. That's how going to another state, let alone Bama, to play for Tennessee when I was growing up was treason. I mean, imagine a paper, a paper, you know, wink and a nudge, call these folks and, you know, express your displeasure. Imagine that. But that's how it was there. They kept every in-state player. They could go to Texas. They could go to Louisiana and pluck some of the better players. And to answer your question, yes, back then, it, the brand name Tennessee had a much bigger impact Cache. on players. And, you know, this is sort of the Notre Dame argument, guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, realistically, you know, you guys, you know, coach, kids have real short memories. Michael Jordan, who? Uh, you know, Derek, who? Um, it's the next best thing. None of these kids in generations care about what Notre Dame did. They weren't even alive. Last when these kids were born, Notre Dame stunk, and that's all they've known is a mediocre football program. And a lot of the times, it's, it's what Tennessee's been known, been known for the last few years is, is just a mediocre football program. 
but a lot of kids like to will go there because they know they can't get on the field at Alabama, Georgia, or LSU. They're excellent players, but they just can't get on the field. So they'll go to Tennessee, and I think this is why they got a little better players now, is that they know, you know, it's not my first choice, but at least I can get on the field here at Tennessee, whereas Alabama, I'm fourth string. Pigskin, it's not just the kids today with uh, short memories. It's uh, folks getting up in my age. We also have some short-term memory loss as well. Uh, I didn't. Uh, what you say? Your name, Joe? John? Oh, John. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> oh, uh, they need to bring they need to bring Johnny Majors back. Is he still alive? Yeah, about, they. Uh, yeah, they uh, <laughs> probably should have brought him. Um, How about Johnny Musso, the Italian stallion? He played at Alabama. One of my favorite college players ever. Quarterback at Tennessee, Condredge Holloway. Got to find a few more guys like that. But um, let's move on from Tennessee real quick, Skin, before we let you go. 888-463-6748, the phone number. Talk a little football here. Uh, I know you're a big Bears fan. You are our official NFL outsider. We're proud of that fact. Um your thoughts, and I hate to bring it up to you because they're probably not that great, but your thoughts on the Bear game yeah, coming up this Sunday and any residue from last week's game? Um, no residue. Um, I, I had heard that the day of the game, um, the Bears' record on weekend night games with Jay Cutler and Lambeau. Once you hear that record, you wouldn't watch the game at all for a Thursday night because that's about how the Bears play on night games, on the road, and Cutler and Lambeau is horrible. And interestingly enough, Aaron Rodgers against the Bears isn't very good. Yeah, I brought that up last week. We were sort of doomed. We were sort of doomed. Um, You know, all the problems that we worried about, offensive line and, you know, them being able to block uh, um, Clay Matthews' son is really good. And they moved him around. I think that 3-4 defense really confused the Bears. It wasn't their best coaching effort. But it's week two. You know, they're much better prepared for injuries now than they were a year ago. You know, uh, you brought up you, you, you brought up the whole Aaron Rodgers thing. I brought it up last week. But the, the Jay Cutler thing, uh, he has been bad at night his whole entire career. And I think it has a little bit to do with the fact he's a juvenile diabetic. They got to figure out a plan to get his insulin out through him out through all the game. He seems just—he's just not good at night, and it's got to have something to do with his uh, with the insulin that he has to have all day. Hmm. Interesting. You brought that up on Friday's show, Big Dog, and it was uh, definitely pause for thought—the fact that he is diabetic and the night game can throw off. And the... this improves it. What he looked up numbers that were just so yep. ungodly bad. I mean, yep. it's, there's there's got to be a reason yep. why a guy is. Really bad at night, and then all of a sudden is a real good quarterback during the day. Does a diabet does diabetes make you surly and uh, uh, not a good leader, and make you angry with your teammates? Is that one of the side effects? Well, also, when, when you're when you're done, when your blood sugar is low, you start acting like a really really hungry little child. Interesting. You know how like kids act crazy when they're hungry. Mm-hmm. That's how Jay Cutler acts when you have low blood sugar. You act, start acting stupid. But when Ron Santo would go through one of those uh, like like funny little diatribes and he was ripping everybody. Mm-hmm. But he had low blood sugar and he would admit it later. And he was like, somebody thought I was our, our funniest materials when I was just PO'd because I needed an insulin shot. You know, it's kind of funny. Like, well, Jay Cutler's going through the same thing. Interesting. 
Interesting. How about injuries? Uh, well, you got two things, Pigskin, real quick. Injury to uh, Matt Forte. He's going to be out for a couple of weeks. I don't think much more than that. They pick up Khalil Bell as a backup, at least I think they did. And then uh, offensive line, they're making a little switcheroo. Yeah. Well, go ahead. What is it? What's the switcheroo? Oh, well, the switch in the offensive line, and I don't even know they picked up this guy, but NFL veteran Chilo Rachel is going to start for Chris Spencer at the left guard spot. Thank good. Oh, my God, did Chris Spencer. He looked like a freaking uh, revolving door the other day. It was like a, oh, my, yes. Chris, it was B.J. Raja. And Jarrell Worthy absolutely whooped Chris Spencer on almost every yep. single play. He was he looked like Michael Jackson doing the moonwalk. Oh, it was not good, Coach. Yep. He looked more like Tito Jackson doing Tito Jackson. <laughs> Pigskin in uh, six words or less, tell us a little bit about the NFL, the story, NFL career of new left guard Chilo Rachel. I still think he was, he, I, I think he was the lost Jackson. <laughs> He was the Jackson. Uh, that's what he's. That's what he's trying to sell to the uh, sell to the media. Is I was the sixth Jackson. He was the tuba player in the Jackson. <laughs> All I know is that during the early recording sessions, he was the tuba player that was never on record. That's what I'm going with. Too bad. Uh, hey, um, All I want to know is does can he can he can he move well to his left? All I know is this, his name is Chilu, so he's got to be an angry Samoan, and that's good oh. enough for me. If oh, we're going to lose with offensive linemen that are bad, might as well have him be angry Samoan. I almost, at least they do the war dance when they lose. I almost forgot bad. about that theory. The Big Dog has had a long-standing theory, and one of the ones that I fully support, the team with the most angry Samoans, is the team you pick. I forgot. Not the happy Samoans. Not the guys who wear the capri pants and the flip flops. No. And they yeah. sit around and eat uh, all your Doritos. Not yeah. those guys. Very, oh yeah. Happy Samoans are very annoying. Yes. Yeah, we don't want any happy Not Samoans. Not to hang out with just as you're on your football team. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Pigskin, though, you know, I don't know how many people had the St. Louis Rams game circled as a big game. I was kind of an aftermath of the Packer game. But uh, after the performance of the Rams and um, an exciting win over the Redskins, bear loss suddenly. Sunday's game against St. Louis, I'm not saying it's the marquee game of the year, but it has a little bit of a sexiness to it, does it not? Yeah, they're much improved. I've got a great coach, Jeff Fisher, who is one of the few coaches in the NFL that can almost instantly turn a team somewhat around. Yep. He has a great deal of respect. You know, he has, he has instant credibility. You know, very few NFL coaches have instant credibility, and he has it, and he has it by times 10. Mm-hmm. And just that alone of having confidence, they talked a little bit about the, uh, the announcers did about the Rams, just knowing that their preparation, halftime, pregame is, is going to be confidence, I think means a real lot to an NFL or any, any, any team. And if you have the impression that your head coach and his staff is well-prepared, very competent, I think that really helps them, and I think that's the beginning of the turn because, you know, Lord knows, David, how many number one draft picks have they had in the last eight years? They ought to be good by now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, it's kind of like the Lions, Joel. Yes, the Lions are better. Well, Pex Pex, they've been the first two picks the last ten years. Well, the, the first five of those years were wasted on wide receivers. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Charles Rogers, Mike Williams, aging Charles Rogers. Yeah, so yeah, I can I can definitely you know see how that happens. The thing that you know it's funny, so much kind of like a marquee game coach, and and uh, let's face it, when we all looked at the beginning of the season, we looked oh week three St. Louis, okay that's a win, and then you go throughout and you start seeing up. There's some really tough games on the Bears schedule coming up, like mm-hmm. Cowboys and Forty ers You know we, we were at work with fifty fifty in each game. All of a sudden you realize something. This wasn't a circle win for the Rams anymore. This isn't like, oh, we played on the third week. It's a W. No, the Bears aren't going to throw your jockstrap out on the field and win the game. They better play some good football on Sunday yeah. or else the Rams are going to come up here and steal their lunch money. Is that at, uh, at Soldier Field Sunday? It's at Soldier Field. Beautiful. Field, yeah. Beautiful. It is. Hey, All right. I'm going to hang up, guys, but you know, maybe today or tomorrow or sometimes, um, when is the integrity of the NFL going to be greatly affected by the officiating? And, and man, did Mike Tirico let those officials have it yesterday, didn't he? He was good the first uh, Monday night game that he did. He didn't rip the officials. Yesterday he was like, listen, it's really hard to watch this game when the officials keep on messing up. He flat, flat out said it, didn't he? And, he was like, and basically he was complaining as the play-by-play announcer, what are you guys doing to me here? I'm not kidding you. That was pretty funny. It was, that was, I thought that was uh, when Mike Tirico, you can get under Mike Tirico's skin, you know something but you did something bad. Mm. All especially right. My, especially for Mike Tariqa. But anyway, I'm very, very, very concerned about the officiating the NFL from, from this time on. Yeah. All right. Pigskin, great stuff. We'll talk more about it hopefully when we talk to you next week or later in the week. Uh, I'm, I'm rooting for two of the three strikes to be over. we got the teacher strike in order of priority, by the way. Teacher strike. NFL referee strike and the NHL strike. I think we're all striked out here. We need them all to end. Hopefully when we talk to you yeah, in a couple of days, preview of the Bears game, a couple of those strikes will be over. All right, great call, and um, get your preparation ready. we got a big game on Sunday. Be prepared when you call up on Friday. Hello. All right, big dog and a coach, 888-463-6748. The phone number, dog, real quick. Now, we mentioned uh, the Tennessee loss to Florida, but I want to run some college football games because we didn't get to them yesterday, but – uh, or, yeah, yesterday reviewing the weekend's games. But uh, of note, some of the ones I marked down, got to start with the number one ranked team in the country, Alabama 52. Now, we know Arkansas has got issues, but we still thought they were decent. 52 to nothing, Alabama. We made fun of, Lucy, uh, of Arkansas last week. Uh, Ryan Wilson, their, their superstar quarterback, got hurt. They end up losing to Louisiana Monroe because of it. Well, that blew their national championship, you know, like chances. And they were they were saying all year, all off season, oh, we're going to win the national championship. This is our year to beat Alabama. Then they lose the Louisiana Monroe before the week, and then you go and lose fifty-two to nothing at home. I don't care if they didn't have their superstar quarterback coach. To lose fifty-two to nothing at home to any team is just a downright embarrassment. It's abysmal, and. Alabama's at it again. They are loaded everywhere. Every position, they're good. And worse yet for the rest of the league, their best set of players is on their offensive and defensive lines. And mm-hmm. when Nick Saban has great lines, I, I, you know, I know the SEC is great, but at this point, is, is Alabama going to lose? Is it the same thing that we're going to? It's going to happen last year. Maybe one loss when they play in the national title game. And it's that fifty-two nothing, coach. Yeah, that's 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 it's a two-part story there. It's a real negate. 
as you mentioned, for Arkansas, quarterback or no quarterback at home to mm-hmm. lose by that score. And it is a statement, I think, of of some significant source by Alabama. They are right now the powerhouse, the state-of-the-art team when it comes to college football. Yeah, you know, and we were and we were hoping, hey, this could be the year that USC could knock off an SEC team. I don't know if that's going to happen, Coach. Yep. Who knows, maybe enough SEC teams beat each other that they can't get someone in the national title game. USC coming up next in our report, but first I should mention a couple of signs at the Arkansas game saying, bring back Bobby Petrino, and then in big words, and the assistant volleyball coach. That's how desperate things are in Arkansas, Doug. Wow. You know, that's all they have is Arkansas football in Arkansas. Seriously, that's like, that is everybody's thing. And, like, the state is just devastated this well, week. If you saw the assistant women's volleyball coach, you wouldn't say that's all they have in Arkansas. I, I guess so. It's always, it's always nice when a, when a 23-year-old is dating a 55-year-old. And, you know, it had, I'm sure it had nothing to do with the thousands of dollars he was giving her. <laughs> Moving right along, Stanford over USC. You alluded to it. A lot of not a lot of people. They were the number one team in the country to start the season. They had moved down to number two, powerhouse team. Maybe going to play for the national championship. Stanford, the Cardinal, beautifully coached football team, a true program, folks. Knocks off uh, USC in an upset, twenty-one to fourteen. Big win for young coach David Shaw, who of course took over for the legend in his own mind, Jimmy Harbaugh. Uh, Jimmy Harbaugh might be a legend in his own mind, but he's a legend. That guy can coach. And David Shaw, ever since he's been at Stanford, they, they I mean, like, I know it's only two years, but man, is, I mean, he is an excellent football coach, and I'm not surprised whatsoever. And watching that game on my handheld uh, on Saturday night, all I, I, all I know is this it was, it was just beautiful watching I-formation football with tight ends and fullbacks all over the field, mm-hmm. smashing people in the face. Stanford doesn't trick you, Coach. They go nope. right at you, and they try yep. to kick you in the teeth. I love that about yep. Stanford. Good, solid football program. And to be fair to David Shaw, is two years as head coach, but he was a coordinator, I think, on the offensive side for years under Jim Harbaugh. So he's been a big part of the program for a number yes, of years. Yes. Yep. Absolutely, absolutely. Yes. All right, your Illinois team beat uh, Charleston Southern. You know what was funny, too, is I was watching the Northwestern on tape. When it first came up on the scroll dog, I mixed up the Southern. They they abbreviated Southern. They went S-O. And I thought it said Charleston 50, Illinois 44. And I immediately hit the backsplash. Are you kidding me? Illinois lost to Charleston 50 to 44. It took two times, and then I realized, oh, that's Charleston S-O's for Southern. 44 nothing final score, Illinois. Yeah, that's uh, Illinois has to have a patsy on their schedule every year. Uh, I'm, I'm sick of that too. Please put put Division One teams on your put mm-hmm. FBS teams on your schedule. Yeah, no reason for playing Charleston Southern. Yeah, and a good example of that, by the way, is the team I'll talk about next. And I don't root for them right now because they got a Yahoo for a head coach. But I, I did see Notre Dame's schedule, and uh, the last couple of years, this year in particular, they've gotten rid of a lot of the patsies. Big though, their schedule was. Uh, you know, at worst, middle-class teams, and then they play a lot of tough teams. So I credit Notre Dame for not backing down. And they had a huge win at East Lansing, at Michigan State, and beat them 20-3. to The defense for Notre Dame was outstanding. Yeah, and Matt Titeo, playing for his girlfriend, playing Woo. for his grandma, both passed away in the same week. 
is the best linebacker in college football right now. There's you can't doubt. I'm glad that. you glad you brought up the kid's name because I did want to bring him up. But how how did the uh, girlfriend pass away? She had some type of like cancer. Oh boy. She had some type of cancer, and she'd been suffering for years, and she kept battling, battling, mm. battling, and then his grandma and his girlfriend both in one wow. week. Wow. You know, I was going to bring him up because, I mean, you're right. He played fantastic, and he has for a couple of years. But you talk about a kid that is a advertisement for all that's good about college football. Monte yeah. Teo was that he sticks around for his fourth year at Notre Dame. He came in, remember, as a high school kid. He had all the notoriety. Number one player in the country goes to Notre Dame. He had all the opportunities to get a big head, big dog, and get into all kinds of troubles. He had all the accolades. He has remained grounded. He's a quiet leader. I love Monte Teo. And, and to, to your point, which you're going to love, he basically flat out said, Brian Kelly's an idiot. Our coach is a psychopath. Oh, I didn't hear that. When did he say that? Now I like him even more. When did he say that? At the beginning of last season. He said, I'm <laughs> screaming at our quarterbacks and everything. I'm not, I'm not making it up. He stood up for his players. He said, we're taking way too, mo- too much abuse from this guy that never even recruited us. Interesting. And he's also like, all, and he rips on people that were Charlie Weiss guys and not his guys. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm sticking with it. He's like, we need to, he needs to put the best football players out there and not guys Wait. that are Brian Kelly guys. When you say he ripped on uh, Kelly or Teo? Teo oh. said that. He's sick of Kelly ripping on oh, Charlie okay. White guys instead of his okay. own guys. Like that's and he was, he's like, there's a lot of favoritism in the locker room now. Interesting. He, he was upset about it. Have they that patched was last year? That was like a year ago around this time. Have they patched that up a little bit? You think or? Uh, Brian Kelly said, "I, I too bad he feels that way." And Manti Teo says, "Every time I go put on the Notre Dame uniform, I'm going to play as hard as I possibly can." He said afterwards, "He says it's not that I don't have to like my coach in order to play Interesting. hard." Interesting. I think Brian Kelly, here, oh, this would be good. This I would love to see. Brian Kelly as coach, Jay Cutler as quarterback. One pud and another pud. That would be a chemical combo, Big Dog. I'd love to see. You know, Jay Cutler's going to be the quarterback of the Chicago Bears for at least six more years. Oh. Well, if that means Brian Kelly's the coach of the Bears, I don't want to see that. But that wouldn't that be interesting, though, because Kelly – a perfectionist who does not handle any kind of mistakes from his quarterback, Jay Cutler, who plays with that gunslinger mentality, and to see Jay with his attitude come off the field and Kelly getting his oh, I'd pay to see that. Can you imagine Peyton Manning, who had like one of the first bad games of his career, who kept throwing interceptions because yep. uh, uh, he was deceived coming off the sideline and having Brian Kelly scream at him at the <laughs> top of his lungs? <laughs> and be like, you know, I have about 300 more touchdown passes uh, and interceptions in my yeah, career. You can, uh, I, you can I, tell I, me how the you can tell me how the safety got over there instead of screaming at me that I threw it to him. That that would help a lot more. Yeah, I hear you. I, I like the Kelly Plummer combo even more. Speaking of Peyton Manning, by the way, uh, uh, the Denver Broncos, who everybody said, you know, after Week One, all right, watch out, Peyton is going to make a difference. The Broncos are going to be there. Well, we learned. From Sunday's games that, you know, don't overestimate week one, things changed in a hurry. We found that out on Monday night last night, too, Big Dog. Denver kind of laid an egg. They came back a little bit, but Atlanta beat him 27-21, and Peyton Manning threw what? Three interceptions, first half? First quarter. Woo! And, uh, you know, this isn't, this is a, uh, well, I'm not trying to just save the Broncos. Don't reach too much to the Broncos. The Atlanta Falcons might be the best team in the NFC, and I'm including the 49ers in that particular conversation. Wow. Okay, let's, let's, but the 49ers have a better defense, so mm-hmm. the Falcons are, won't be as good considering, but the, mm-hmm. 
Fulton's right. offense, oh, they got a power runner that can get it in and short yards into the situation. And then they have Gonzalez, Julio Jones, and Roddy White as a as the receiving core. Yep. That's a that could be the best offense in the National Football League coach. Pretty solid. Pretty uh-huh. solid. By the way, I don't want to forget Northwestern. My uh, Wildcats, we don't got time to talk about it because we got to wrap up the show, but Northwestern 3-0, and and they've beaten uh, no powerhouses, but no patsies either. Syracuse, Vanderbilt, Boston College. Not bad. What I like, Big Dog, is they did it with a different style. They did it with the run, uh, the running game. Mm-hmm. So they're showing different ways to win. All right. Uh, Big Dog will be back at it tomorrow, midweek Wednesday. I'm assuming you will be uh, out on the river today in the kayak if people want to track you down. I will be out there at 5 o'clock today, my friend. 5 o'clock. I might be there at 3 o'clock. Any chance you can get there a couple hours early? Yeah, right. Like you're actually going to drive downtown. You're one of those high flu. No, no, no. Downtown. No, no, no. Yeah, right. I've, I've, like I've heard this story before. Wrong again, Buffalo Breath you're, Evans. You're one, of, you're one of the many people that have now got the black mark against them for I, two years not coming down to do my kayak I, tour. Well, I haven't done your kayak tour, but i got deals going on. I've been hanging around the city much, much more and uh, enjoying it. Thank you very much. Um, all right. Two guys in a mic. TalkZone.com. We'll see you tomorrow, dog. Later. <laughs> have a great day, everybody. Tomorrow at 10. Don't be late.